the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be with you. Hey, uh, don't forget, go over to ProAmericaReport.com and uh, check out all the great interviews and segments. We have had a really good year. I have been looking at 2021. We've had some of the just the best authors, commentators, politicians, elected officials, all sorts of people. And all over at ProAmericaReport.com, you can see the links there, do a search for it. Lots to listen to and review and pass on to your friends. Uh, also, more importantly, in a way is you can sign up for the daily email that I send out and it is called the daily wink why excuse me w y n k what you need to know the t o is uh, sort of silent there what you need to know and the Daily Wink goes out 8 a.m. East Coast time, 5 a.m. Pacific time, uh, Monday through Friday. It gives you what you need to know for the day. It lays out some key things that I'm seeing, some articles, some some uh, breaking stories. But a lot of times, like today's Wink, I'm going to do with you in a second, it gives you uh, a viewpoint you might not have seen. You might not... You might be seeing it and not connecting the dots. And so that's what you want to do. Go to ProAmericaReport.com and sign up there. And as always, it uh, I promise we don't sell your email address. We don't rent it. We don't borrow it. We don't do anything with it. We just uh, send you the wink and keep you informed on what we're uh, doing through that. So, all right, today, this segment, of course, is what you need to know on this program on the ProAmerica Report. And today, the, I, I don't know what to call this, but I want to describe to you a little, I don't know, a few days ago, a week ago, and last week, we went out to dinner uh, with two friends of ours. My wife and I have a friend, our neighbors, a couple doors down, uh, great friends, Ed and Eve. And uh, we went out and we were talking about uh, what was going on and all uh, politics and all and family stuff and, uh, uh, you know, great friends, great couple, great family. And um, one of the things we come, came on to and I was describing to them was if Joe Biden steps down for any reason – if he retires, resigns, if he's incapacitated, and Kamala Harris becomes president, the Constitution is clear that she, President Kamala Harris, must nominate a vice president, vice president, vice president, and the vice presidential nominee must be sent to the Senate and the House to be confirmed by a bare majority. There's no supermajority needed or anything. Well, but think about that. If it happens in the next 10 months, 11 months, I guess if it happens technically in a year, it'll be January 3rd, 2023, when the new Congress will come in. So there's about 13 months in which Kamala Harris would have the ability as president to nominate a vice president and get the Democrats to vote on it, you know, because it's controlled by Pelosi and Schumer. But at this point, it's pretty clear, absent some major change, Republicans are going to win the House and Senate, certainly the House. I think probably the Senate. And the question becomes, what happens then? Because the Speaker of the House, the Republican Speaker of the House, is third in line under our constitutions, the President, Vice President, and the Speaker of the House. So when the Vice President's vacant, then the number two in the country is the Speaker of the House. 
So does the Speaker of the House, a Republican, I don't know who he or she will be, does they have to take to the floor of the House the nomination and they could just block it. And so what will happen in that case, in most cases, when you have a split government, it happened to Trump, it's, it will probably likely happen to the Biden administration, it, you have to just go negotiate. So if you, it's a split government on something like, say, the budget, you go in and you say, okay, bring the Republican speaker in, bring the Republican president of the Senate and the Democrat president. You know, Clinton was good at this. He kind of just started negotiating. He didn't care. He did. He was shameless. He took the credit for the good stuff and then blamed the Republicans for forcing him to do other stuff or not being able to do things. So th- that's what would usually happen. But won't the Republicans have a – how would they negotiate? Would they say, oh, President Kamala Harris, you should appoint, uh, you know, uh, so-and-so. We'll strike a deal. No, I don't know. I don't know what happens. It would be wild. It would be wild. And my point in telling you this is my friends, our friends that we were out with had said they'd never heard that. They'd never heard that. My wife hadn't either until I told her, I don't know, six months or a year ago. No, people, most people don't realize the, how the Constitution works on picking a new, new vice president. And, that, and, and here's where this gets interesting. And here's my tie-in to Chris Cuomo. Chris Cuomo of CNN has been indefinitely suspended, not because he worked for his brother, not because of the blatant favoritism and poor journalism. That's not why. That's what they're using as the excuse, because there's now texts and things that have come out in the investigation that make clear that uh, Chris Cuomo was actively using his power as a CNN anchor to find out more information and try to help his brother. But that's not why it's happening. It's happening because... Once you lose power and popularity, they get rid of you. This is a way to dump Cuomo's salary. And is, he's not, he was never good on the air. He was a kind of New York meathead that people, you know, that they sort of like trotting out there. And because Andrew Cuomo was so powerful, it was worth having his brother there. And my segue here is what you're watching right now is Kamala Harris is so unpopular She's she's like 10 points more unpopular than Biden, and he's at like 39%. And the Democrats realize this is a disaster for us. If she becomes president, it's a disaster. So they're trying to find a way that people are speculating this and rumoring that. And, and here's <laughs> what it ends up being is they're going to keep Biden in power now as long as they can. But think about the trick box. If it were, if, if, if it were possible... If she were likable and popular and capable, they'd probably say, hey, we better get him out before the election in 2022 so we can have a VP in place. Otherwise, we'll run into the trap I just said. But once you lose your power and popularity, Cuomo, Kamala, you suddenly become expendable. And things are going to shift on you faster than you can realize. And that's the dynamic we're seeing. But <laughs> they're kind of trapped right now because the, the, the great ace in the hole here. And again, what people don't realize is Cuomo is, is really being thrown, Chris Cuomo, under the bus with Andrew because they both were, you know, are, are the paradigm of, of, uh, of New York and, and sort of liberals who violate the Me Too stuff. They're not nice to women. I've been, I've been, when I was at CNN, I'd see Cuomo. And, you know, he's just he's, he's vain and, and, and not very nice people. And I, that's, I only saw him in the hallways. I didn't see him when he was out and about. I'm talking Chris Cuomo. But they're getting, they're getting uh, also uh, targeted because they're, they're absolutely positively on the wrong side of that. Now, think about that. Cuomo's, uh, Weinstein, all these people are liberal Democrats. 
that are the nastiest or the, you know, some of the worst of these offenders. But my point here is what you're going to see, Cuomo's going to be pushed out. Save the salary, change the flavor. They'll put in a real journalist, someone that's not just the name whose brother's a governor. And because his brother's not governor and has no future. And, and by the way, if you don't think that the current governor of New York isn't pushing CNN to get rid of Cuomo, you don't know politics. Because the last thing she wants, or the Attorney General, who are both emerging as the new Democrat leaders of of New York, is Andrew Cuomo to have an ally on TV every night. So that's the dynamic you're seeing. Anyway, a little bit of power politics, power dynamics, and uh, and a lot more uh, to check out. So it's going to be interesting to see it all play out. But my prediction, my prediction is that Joe Biden will be the Ruth Bader Ginsburg of this period, meaning he will not yield. The people around him will not yield. He will not say, I'll take one for the team. Neither, neither will Kamala Harris. She's not going to say, oh, my numbers are bad. She's going to say, if I'm running against Trump, I can beat him because he's so unpopular. That's what she'll say. That's what you'll see the spin. But Biden, who should do something to save his party's future, Looks like he won't do it like Ruth Bader Ginsburg did it. She just wasn't going to ever retire until her terms. And she got replaced by Amy Comey, Coney Barron. That's what Biden's going to do. He's going to hang on and he's going to be president in 2023 when the Republicans have the power. And then they're going to just have to do the weekend at Bernie's thing. That's what they'll have to do. All right, we got to take, we got to run, but take a break. Uh, I'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. One of the great things I tell my listeners uh, all the time, Paul, our next guest is Paul Siegert, and I uh, would tell him all the time, Paul, that whenever there's some topic that I don't know about, I can find an expert, somebody who understands it, and there's all these people that will say, hey, how about this guy to come on the air? Well, one of those is Paul Siegert, and Paul Siegert is a uh, the managing partner of a PCS Advisors, uh, health, ben- health benefits consulting firm, decades of experience in the field of healthcare benefits, healthcare, what's going on, which is like a Byzantine field unto itself. So there's good, good, good. Glad there's good guys like him doing this. And so, uh, Paul, welcome to the program. And first, the setup is I've heard this over and over now. We're watching Medicare uh, Part B premiums go fi- almost 15% up uh, increase. What's the deal here, Paul? So, welcome. And then, what's the deal? Well, they were projecting about half this. Uh, even that uh-huh. would be serious for a Medicare mm-hmm. recipient, many of whom are on. Uh, you know, are retired. And instead, it came out at double what they were projecting. And that projection is only a couple of months back. So now we're, we're seeing folks that are already dealing with, uh, you know, inflation are also going to be dealing with inflation and the cost of their health care. And the reason that they've given us is that they may be having to absorb significant costs into the system because of a new Alzheimer's drug at home which is a story in uh, unto itself. Uh, well, and so when they announced, is this, it, it, pardon my ignorance, and again, we're, we're talking to uh, Paul Siegert, and he's uh, uh, PC, uh, PCS Advisors, and uh, PCSAdvisors.com, learn more about him. But uh, Paul, um, pardon my ignorance, 
every year do they announce? Does Medicare say, "Hey, um, uh, look, we uh, we ran the hey, we ran the numbers here. Um, you're going to go up six percent, four percent, eight percent"? Is it is it usually something like that? Is it kind of a cost of living number, or in other years is it up fifteen percent because of something? I mean, you know, one of the things I wondered about, Paul, a few years ago, there was some coverage of the fact that uh, so many people had been given disability, and when you get disability, full disability, you end up on Medicare as part of you can be a fifty one year old guy, but if you get full disability you can end up on, you end up on medicare that's your insurance and there was some numbers right. you know of the number of people being pushed onto there but it, so back to my question every year do uh, do medicare recipients find out yeah this year you went up uh, cost of living and this year you went up cost of living plus 2 is that what it, what happens yeah there's a little increase uh it and it has just like the rest of the insurance world that is as you in Byzantine I like your description it that increase has outpaced inflation uh, because of how we have a just a general lack of transparency in our o- overall way that we pay for healthcare in this country, but this is unusually large. And when they use this Alzheimer's drug as a basis for this, it really was a head scratcher for me. And here's why: Adahelm was approved by the FDA about six months ago. I've written a couple articles on it because it's to me is just such a good case study in what's wrong with the way that we're paying for healthcare in this country. So they approve this drug, the FDA, 11 scientists tell them their opinion on it. Ten said, we don't think you should approve it because there's no evidence that it either slows the development of Alzheimer's or cures it. The 11th scientist said, it's inconclusive. I don't know. They approved it anyway. Three of them later resigned. The FDA even launched a, an investigation into irregular interactions between their own employees and folks at the drug manufacturer leading up to its approval. Wow. So it's it's a murky situation at best. And then consider this. The drug, all-in cost, is going to be about $100,000 a year per person that gets prescribed the drug. And we have 6 million people, mostly on Medicare, who have Alzheimer's. And when you look in, into see how our system works, each time a doctor prescribes it, they're going to get $3,350 as a, and essentially a commission for prescribing it. So despite the lack of evidence, this looked like it could be a, a really catastrophic event for our healthcare system. You know, imagine if you put a million people on it, it could be a hundred billion dollars that we're adding to the system to Medicare. Now we're seeing it translate into an increase in premium for everyone's Part B, just on the thought that they might start using this drug. There's, but it's it's quite a story. And the Cleveland Clinic and uh, some other really respected institutions around the country, the VA to this point, Medicare had all said, hey, without further proof, we can't just start dispensing a drug that costs $100,000 a year. We have, we, we're going to need some evidence that it actually works. So the free market forces were actually more responsible, in my view, than our own FDA, who gave this uh, drug again, company nine uh, years to prove uh, that it actually works. We're, again, we're talking with uh, Paul Siegert, a managing partner, PCS Advisors, uh, expert on health care, health care benefits uh, in particular. Uh, his website is pcsadvisors.com. Um, Paul, so what fixes this? 
If you're sitting there at home and you get the message that says 14.5% increase in your premiums, and you know, awful lot of Americans are on Medicare, are on fixed incomes, to say the least, mm-hmm. and you're, you're mm-hmm. really stuck, who or what fixes this? Anything? Or is this one of these kind of bureaucratic things that rolls and there's no one you can actually go to and say, um, wait a second, that seems like too much. Is there, is there some way that this, it, it doesn't look like the federal government announced this hike and said, um, you know, like a rulemaking thing, like we're considering this, uh, what's everybody think? No, they just announced it, right? So is there anyone that's going yeah, to that's try right. to uh, affect this? Well, it's a directive, unfortunately. It's happening. Uh, and what they, I think what's happening in part is that because there's a pretty significant cost of living allowance increase to Social Security this year, 5.9%. So for depending on at what income level you're at and what your Part B premiums are, many folks will come still come out ahead. It's just that this cost of living allowance that is intended to account for inflation is going to unfortunately now have to pay for, in part, increased premiums. To me, that's the real shame of this, is that for years we've seen in the employer-sponsored healthcare market that people's payroll deduction increases each year have grown quicker than their wages, and now right. the trend is even affecting retired people, and it's and it's not necessary. We're we're allowing this to happen because we're allowing foolish things like this, where you have a drug that costs a hundred thousand dollars with no evidence that it actually works that you're going to allow into the system. That's that just doesn't make common sense. All right. Um, back to my a different way to say the question I asked. If, if we're stuck with it, it's a directive this year. Nothing you can nothing you and I can do. No argument we can make that will persuade uh, the, you know, the, the Medicare. Uh, the, the, they've already done it. What's the future? Yeah. Is it the Medicare trustees that have to be more responsive? I mean, one of the problems with this current moment in American history is we have all these uh, created agencies and bureaucracies. And if you call your congressman or congresswoman or U.S. senator, they'll say, oh, you got to call over to CMS and then talk to them. And then you get to CMS and they say, well, we got trustees. They're on terms. And it kind of quickly insulates anyone from being responsive to uh, we the people. It, 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 what's the reform on this? Is there one you, you can recommend or you see coming or possible? Well, you can reach out to your representatives. The sad reality is that the drug industry in particular, and, and they're kind of an example of the whole healthcare industry in our country. And I'm a free market person. I believe in a free market. We don't have enough transparency for a free market to operate the way it should for a large part. But the, and, and it's not that encouraging, unfortunately, because when you look at where they donate money, it's with precision to the key people that will prevent change. And if it's if Democrats are in power, key Democrats are getting significant dollars from this industry. And if Republicans are in power, they're getting significant dollars as well. And so they, they've done a really good job of protecting themselves. What we what we need to see is the political will to do some very tough things. Medicare, it's crazy that Medicare isn't able to have input and negotiate around what the largest purchaser in the world of drugs pays for drugs, but that is how it is today. And that was very conspicuously, to me, left out of the Biden administration's recent, recently announced framework. Somehow that gets left out, uh, and we're, we're attacking other little things in healthcare that are, are, are going to make a much smaller impact to the problem, and it's really the result uh, of lobbying. 
Last question. Uh, last question again for uh, Paul uh, Siegert. And again, I encourage you, he, as he mentioned, he, he writes on the subject. He's uh, um, uh, out there, uh, PCSAdvisors.com. Um, the, uh, does the, the, you say the transparency of the Alzheimer's, uh, the lack of transparency, of the Alzheimer's uh, drug, or at least the cost versus the unknown effectiveness. But we got a problem in that we've got, I mean, a problem, meaning if this is happening now, we're going to have 10 more of these in the next 25 years right. because our, our, right. our population is aging. They're going to try yeah. anything they can on these issues of especially Alzheimer's and dementia and the chronic diseases at the end of life. And I mean, are, we, we are, we've all can we easily say this. Every political pundit says, oh, we're going to bankrupt uh, uh, Medicare. Well, that's true. But it's specifically because we got to deal with this population that's growing, right? We do, and so then more than ever, we need to eliminate waste in the system. There's no excuse right. for the fact that we, as the, the top 20 drugs that are getting sold in the world right now, when you look at those, those companies that distribute those made over $100 billion selling those to American consumers, and then when you add up the sales for those same 20 drugs in all other international markets combined, it's about $56 billion. That shouldn't stand. And it's not because we're shouldering the cost of R&D alone. Most of the waste is not making its way to the manufacturer. It's other middle players that deliver very limited value to our system that are uh, profiteering on American consumers. And it's especially disgusting, in my view, when it's hitting people on fixed incomes uh, like we're talking about today. It's incredible that we allow it to happen. Mm. All right. Well, listen, Paul, thank you for speaking out on it and also clarifying some of the details. Paul Siegert, managing partner at PCS Advisors, a health benefits consulting firm, uh, and he is available at uh, PCSAdvisors.com, also at PCS Advisors on Twitter, uh, same on Instagram. Uh, thanks very much, Paul, for the time. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody, we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. <laughs> Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Been meaning to catch up with my old friend Ron Kessler. And RonaldKessler.com is his website. You see a lot of his writings and his books. Uh, he's a former Washington Post and Wall Street Journal investigative reporter. One of his more recent books is The Trump White House, Changing the Rules of the Game. Uh, he buries the lead here every time I have to come back and reclaim it because I think out of school his first job was with the Worcester Telegram. Is that right, Ron? That's right. Yes, and, there you go. So my my own, <laughs> my alma mater, yeah, my yeah. alma mater, College of the Holy Cross. I, I was introduced to the Worcester Telegram, so I want to make sure to give them a plug. All right, Ron. Before we get to uh, one of your recent columns on climate and Biden, um, broadly, you know, you've written about the White House of the Bush White House, the Trump White House. You've written about uh, the, I guess maybe the White House, but certainly the ins and outs of Washington uh, under Obama. At this point in the Biden administration, it almost couldn't have been couldn't be going worse in terms of popularity, if not effectiveness. Yeah. And, and above all, uh, Biden has lost all credibility, which which began with Afghanistan. Everybody recognized what, what a calamity that was, how he lied about it. They continue to lie. I mean, just just today, Kamala said that. Uh, uh, it was Trump who, who caused the border crisis, tried to, to blame Trump. 
it's a it's a train wreck uh, and 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 a joke. It really is. There's no nothing uh, to compare with with how foolish these people look. Uh, we're talking with uh, Ron Kessler, and Ron, again, RonaldKessler.com is his website, and you can get linked to a lot of his writings, his books, as well as his columns. And um, Ron, when I was looking back at uh, reading your stuff, it was a couple of years ago now, you wrote uh, a piece in the Washington Times about a year and a half ago called Time to, the title was Time to Rename to J. Edgar Hoover Building, and the subtitle, In His Reign as Director, Hoover Engaged in Massive Injustices and Abuses of American Rights. Here's what I wanted to ask you. As much as we see today the problems of the FBI and the problems of bureaucratic corruption. And there's lots of ways you can, you know, critique that one can say, Oh, the FISA court was listening to, you know, bad, uh, bad filings from the FBI or the, 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 the national uh, intelligence uh, director of national intelligence under uh, Brennan or Clapper, whoever, you know, those guys haven't, you know, wrapped themselves in glory. There's a lot of ways to be critical, but Hoover was pretty rotten too. We just didn't know about it till a decade or two later. Right. That's right. We didn't know about it until uh, there was a break-in at the Media Pennsylvania uh, office, and they uncovered these documents showing how uh, the FBI, uh, you know, literally spied. You know, that word is is often misused, but but uh, spied on on anybody who who questioned the government, uh, and uh, you know, who who was sort of a Jekyll and Hyde figure on the one. A lot of good things. He created this organization. He started the filing system. He would not tolerate uh, uh, brutality against suspects. Uh, he created the um, fingerprint system. But at the same time, he engaged in these massive abuses, and and everybody was aware of it. He, he it was all to keep his job. He would he would uh, blackmail presidents. He would blackmail members of Congress. Uh, so that was that really was a, a dark period. Now we see um, sort of uh, more uh, discreet, uh, if you will, uh, abuses. That is, we corruption at the top of the FBI uh, over the over the Trump investigations. Uh, this latest thing is is just a mess. Uh, I think a lot of it is, you know, the FBI never. First of all, should not have been involved at all in in uh, school board uh, meetings. Uh, but beyond that, you know, people have adopted the Patriot Act business. It had nothing to do with the Patriot Act. Uh, it's it's simply uh, an abuse, uh, an overreach by the FBI to to get into uh, school board meetings and what goes on there. Uh, we're talking again, Ron Kessler. RonaldKessler.com is his website. I'm looking, Ron, and while you're talking about the list of books, uh, back uh, your first book on, on the life insurance game, uh, all the way down through uh, spies and the Soviet spies, CIA, uh, FBI, especially the one on the Secret Service in the White House. Extraordinary uh, stuff. stuff uh, again, RonaldKessler.com. To your recent piece, which uh, a column you wrote uh, that I want to refer to on Biden. And the reason I went from Hoover and your column a few years ago talked about the FBI today, for whatever reason, it doesn't matter why is what I mean. There's lots of reasons. Trust in the government and what they tell us feels, feels, I, I don't know whether surveys back it up, but it feels like it's at an all-time low. Like if they told you the sky was blue right now, you'd be like, yeah, I'm going to check that myself, right? And and here we are, and we've got Biden on this climate agenda and as you point out in this piece that uh, Washington Times again, 
one after another. It's just nonsense, misdirection. And on top of it, it's hundreds of billions of dollars, at least in the last just recent bill and maybe more in the next one, spent on things that don't make sense, solar panels and electric cars. And it's really um, it's and I guess the point is with um, at the current moment, if you're Biden, Pelosi and Schumer, you just hold your nose and keep going forward because you're still changing America, I guess. You know, the, the irony is, if you want to find out uh, what a fraud the whole climate agenda is, you only need to read the Washington Post and the New York Times because both papers carried, uh, although buried inside, stories last June reporting on the official U.S. government readings of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. You would think that when the economies of the world shut down, everything, you know, there were no cars on the roads, uh, the trains were shut down, the planes were shut down, um, that and offices and homes were, were shut down, you would think that there would be a drastic reduction in carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. No, in fact, there was a slight increase during the pandemic. And uh, that tells you everything you need to know about whether human activity contributes to carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. Uh, and and uh, beyond that, uh, I quote in this uh, piece, all these efforts by climate scientists, so-called, to explain it away, and everything is contradictory because the whole idea of uh, uh, human activity contributing to global warming, which has occurred to a very small extent, uh, was always a theory. It was not based on any evidence. And and each so-called scientist uh, uh, offers a different explanation, which are often uh, contradictory. Uh, uh, you know, one of them said, well, uh, it's like some some crazy sentence that doesn't even make any sense uh, that it's like a landfill and and you know it's not the change wasn't enough to make a difference uh, and then another uh, uh, individual said uh, well actually uh, it's soil and and vegetation that really contribute to global warming and and uh, carbon dioxide in other words all of all of the efforts to uh, you know, we make our whole economy uh, based on this this theory uh, is, is just foolishness. And and uh, you would think that this would be picked up by by uh, somebody. No, it's all ignored. Hasn't been picked up by politicians. Certainly not by the media. Um, it's it's as if it doesn't exist. So it's really like the emperor's new clothes, you know. And and on top of all this, uh, Biden actually said something honest during his State of the Union address. It was not in the text, but he departed from the text. Very few in the media picked up. But what he said was, uh, we, the U.S., only contribute 15 percent of the carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. The rest is other countries. So even if we do everything perfectly, meaning, you know, remake our economy, it won't make any difference. And that's the bottom line on the whole situation. Well, and we're talking again with Ron Kessler and his pieces at the Washington Times. I'll put it up on social media. Also, if you go over to RonaldKessler.com, uh, you can see all of his writings. Uh, and and on top of all that, Ron, what came out of the Glasgow meeting, this great summit and all, or whatever it was called, um, China said, 
by 2036, we promise to do better on carbon. 2036 or something like that. As if anybody, they don't even keep their promise for for 20 days from now. And we said, you know what we said? Biden said, we're going to spend hundreds of billions of dollars more on solar panels. And the largest producer of solar panels in the world is China. So China went to a meeting, didn't even show up at the meeting, but put out a press release at the end of the meeting and said, by the way, we'll try to get better on carbon by 30 years from now or whatever number it was, 25 years. I don't even know. But and and then we said, oh, yeah, that's great. And and we'll buy more solar panels from China. I I mean, if you if you could keep up with the insanity, you would be stunned and, and you would be disgusted as your column shows. And we're talking about. So then I pause and I say, but, Ron, you've watched a lot of politics, a lot of the American people. They do seem to be falling off away from Biden dramatically. Yes. Are they picking up on the incompetence? Is that the best way to say it? And and are we headed towards as big a tsunami as it looks like in 2022? Oh, yeah. No, no question. You know, the, just the lack of credibility, the, the, the obvious uh, contrast between the truth, for example, on the border, uh, Kamala Harris saying, you know, that uh, – that actually, actually, the crisis on the border is is Trump's fault. Uh, all these, you know, uh, transparent lies. Uh, on the one hand, on the other hand, the you know inflation, you know, and and uh, Biden actually uh, uh, a- after causing this inflation in many respects by by shutting down uh, oil leases, shutting down pipelines, now saying. Uh, that he wants the FTC to investigate whether it's because the oil companies are, are rigging prices. Uh, again, total, total, uh, totally dishonest uh, comment, uh, and, and, and people see through it. I think what's really important to, to notice is that in polls, over and over again, uh, uh, aside from the low approval rating on, on Biden, people seem to recognize uh what what uh is common sense they they uh are against defunding the police for example uh and uh that's that's very important i think it shows you know that overall americans have not uh lost their senses that they they uh they are uh they have common sense and that in the end is going to is going to uh kick these people out of office uh, last question, Ron Kessler, RonaldKessler.com is his website. Well, double question. It's a two-part question. Um, will Trump run for president, and do you think he should? Well, I certainly think he should not. Um, and uh, uh, on the question of whether he will, I, you know, I think in the end he may decide, you know, he doesn't want the headache. He's having more fun playing golf at, at Mar-a-Lago. So, I really uh, doubt if he will actually run. And uh, I think uh, DeSantis looks good, and uh, we will see. All right. Ronald Kessler, thank you for taking the time. Again, RonaldKessler.com is his website, writing over at Washington Times for this recent column and many, many books. I have about four or five of them, uh, every one more interesting than the next. So thanks, Ron. Thank you, Ed. Appreciate it. All right. Okay, we'll take a break, everybody, and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report, back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. The world was far from shocked when President Joe Biden's approval rating declined to 38%. 
The reliable Quinnipiac poll announced that Biden's disapproval rose to 53 percent, while his approval fell to that low 38 percent. Interviews of ordinary Democrats confirm the dismay that many have about their own president and his inadequate performance. The majority of their legislation on Capitol Hill has stalled, and nothing serious seems to be accomplished, even though Dems control both Congress and the White House. A historically low approval rating for a president means that the candidates in his own party will likely face landslide defeats in the midterm elections, as happened in 1946, 1994, and 2010. The recent governor's race in Virginia was once considered a safe Democrat race amid a sea of government workers who vote Democrat. But a wave of concerned parents made Democrats painfully aware of their plummeting popularity. It's President Obama's advisor, Susan Rice, now working in the White House, who is apparently making most of the decisions in the White House. But most of the public doesn't even know who she is. President Biden seems mentally incapable of giving a press conference or holding an event that might restore the lost public confidence in him. While professional pundits may waffle, Trump supporters can think of a whole list of reasons why Biden's ratings have dropped so sharply. Some attributed to a COVID-19 malaise, while others cite Biden's mishandling of the Afghanistan pullout or the flooding of our country with refugees from there. All of these surely have some part in it. But don't forget about the sorry state of American energy production. President Trump made America energy independent for the first time in decades. But President Biden turned every gas station in America into a shining billboard for his adversaries. There's no denying the fact that liberals are generally better than conservatives at putting on a good show. They run campaigns off of promises of compassion and heart, both of which the American people have in spades. However, when actually put into practice, these compassionate policymakers turn out to be anything but. Conservatives have a great opportunity to work on our messaging skills before next year's elections. I hope we will all take advantage of it. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. For 50 years, Mrs. Schlafly promoted grassroots efforts to rally conservatives. Today, you can harness the power of social media by going to phyllisschlafly.com and sharing these commentaries with friends across the country. Get started at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Let's finish uh, this week with a little report for you. Again, welcome to the Pro-America Report. It's uh, Ed Martin here. Please visit ProAmericaReport.com. Many of you know, if you listen closely, that I'm an attorney, among other things. I went to law school years ago, and I was licensed uh, to practice law right away out of school. And over the years, I've sometimes practiced law and sometimes I've not. It depends on the time period in my life. Uh, a couple times uh, I was at a big law firm for a while. A couple times I was at my own practice. And, uh, and I've kept my own practice uh, going on the side for the last 10 or so years, uh, even when I've done other things like um, like um, the head of a, a nonprofit like I am right now, the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. But part of the reason I keep my license going is when I need to help people, I can. And I don't do it really, I don't do it for money at all. I do it for, I keep my bar license up and uh, in case there's a way to help. So in the case of the January 6th defendants, they're all in uh, court in Washington, D.C., where I, I happen to have 
um, years ago, become a member of the D.C. Bar, a uh, member of the Missouri Bar. So that's where you get your license sort of checked out. And so in the case of um, the January 6th defendants, I offered to assist pro bono just to help. Uh, I'm no criminal lawyer. I haven't done much of that work in my life. Uh, but other people are really good at it. And if they're not in the D.C. Bar, it's not easy for them to get admitted to just take these cases. So I'm paired up with a very competent, very capable, very experienced criminal uh, lawyer criminal defense lawyer from Michigan, and I'm helping him, and we're working on this. So in uh, this week, I went to visit one of our clients in the in the January 6th defense uh, defendant, and I won't mention his name for now. I probably could easily, but I don't really want to. Uh, but I went to visit him in the jail, January 6th. Uh, he's been in jail since a week or two after, maybe three, or f- maybe three weeks after January 6th, um, away from his wife, away from his family, um, and... I spent about an hour and a half with him visiting about what's going on and his case and some matters that we had to cover. And I just listened to him. It's the first time I've been in his presence. I've, I've been on uh, some uh, hearing calls with him and seen him, um, but I have not been time spent time with him. And first of all, like everything else in life, uh, when you meet a human being that you haven't met before, they turn out to be a human being. And he has, you know, interests and questions and ideas, and he's like the rest of us. And, and, and so it was, that was wonderful to get to know him. And second, Second, um, people are survivors. So he is just surviving and continuing to go look ahead. He wasn't particularly angry or negative. He wasn't frustrated like I might have been if I was where he is at the how the system has worked. He just was, how do we keep moving forward? And I have to tell you... Um, you know, in the Bible, in Scripture, it will talk about visiting the people imprisoned. There's something dramatic about it. I mean, I've done it before in my life and practices, and it's powerful. It's powerful, and I encourage you all to think about that and pray for these people, not just the January 6th folks, but anyone who's uh, in, in prison. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a difficult uh, thing to describe unless you've lived it or know it or been connected to it, uh, but it's very powerful, and uh, people are, are it's, um, they're worthy of our prayers is what I'm saying. And I'll have more to say about the specifics of these cases because they really are the federal government rolling up political um, people who are political opponents uh, who may, maybe they did something wrong sometimes. Um, not, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying there's a lot uh, happening there. So anyway, have a great weekend, everybody. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Noah Dingley, our great producer, uh, Joanna Spilger for helping us gather our guests, and you all for listening. Uh, don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com. This is Ed Martin. We'll be back next week here on the Pro America Report. This is the Pro America Report on The Answer San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.